Hello everyone and welcome back to 2022's first spaghetti fiction podcast episode. I am your host Alyssa Clare and today's episode is actually pulled from my YouTube video so I will have that linked in the description. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode even though it is a bit shorter than I usually do but anyway let's get on to the review and history of the Gucci family. So today I want to talk about a film. Of course, why else would I be here, right? Last month, I think it was like beginning of December, maybe late November, I watched House of Gucci. And it's a it's a very long fucking movie. Uh, Before then, I had bought the uh, book. It's based off of a book by Sarah Gay Forden. Uh, I bought this at HEB, and I'm so glad that I did because they left out a lot from the book, which is understandable because this is about, this is like over 500 pages, and it is jam-packed with a lot of interesting information. If you're interested or you want to read about Gucci and like the entire history of it, definitely pick this book up. I recommend it's it's really cool. Um and it's I don't know if it's I can't say if it's biased or unbiased because I don't I haven't read much about the entire history of this company and the family for uh, I heard about the movie. But uh, for those of you who do not know, and I'm going to be periodically looking over here because this is where my laptop's at, House of Gucci is a 2021 American biographical crime drama film. It's directed by Ridley Scott based on the 2001 book The House of Gucci, a sensational story of murder, madness, glamour, and greed by Sarah Gray Forden. Sarah Gay Forden, like I said earlier. Uh, so the film follows Patrizia Reggiani, which is Lady Gaga, and Maurizio Gucci, Adam Driver, as their romance transforms into a fight for control of the Italian fashion brand Gucci. And Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, Salma Hayek, and Al Pacino are also in this. So a very interesting cast. I mean, a lot of familiar faces, some big actors. Uh, the only one I don't know is I'm, I might know who... I don't know, like, his name, I don't know. Like, Jeremy Irons, I might have seen him in something... Um, but like, yeah, everybody else, obviously, big names, everybody knows who they are, right? Uh, and you all of you probably know who fucking Jeremy Irons is. I'm the, I feel like, I just don't know who that guy is. I've never fucking heard his name before. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown. Um, so here is a quick rundown of the history of Gucci, the family, the company. And that's, it's not going to be the entire thing because there is so much that happened within the family and if you've seen the film you've kind of seen you kind of know what's going on if you've read a little bit about it so this starts in Florence Italy at the end of the 19th century Guccio Gucci's parents had a failing business making straw hats and after that kind of happened Guccio had fled the country and went to London to work at the Savoy Hotel. Uh, according to the book, this is alleged because um, there were no records of his employment uh, there. Um, but of course, this was like late 1800s. So at that point, like, you don't really know. Four years later, he had saved up a lot of a, a decent amount of money, moved back to Florence, Italy and had met his wife, Ada or Ida. Um, I might be 
saying some of these names wrong and I do apologize in advance for that. Sorry. Uh, I am not a native Italian speaker. And so yeah, he met his wife Ada and he then adopted her son Ugo in 1902. Then they ended up having four sons. One of them named Enzo. Uh, Unfortunately, he passed. He was only nine years old. Then there was Aldo born in 1905, Vasco in 1907, and Rodolfo in 1912. So at this point, Guccio had worked at a leather firm until World War I broke out. He ended up leaving that and was a transport driver for the duration of the war. Then post-war, he worked for Franzi, which is a leather company in Florence. By 1921, he rented a shop on Via Tornabioni and Piazza Goldoni, Sorry, that sounded so terrible. <laughs> and that in though that shop in between those two um I believe streets, I'm guessing, was the first Gucci shop. And so enters Aldo and Rodolfo, which are the two oldest brothers. They started working in the shops in 1925. They were in their early 20s by this point, and Rodolfo had initially He didn't have any interest initially uh, in the business. He wanted to become an actor. And he went, he created a stage name for himself, Maurizio de Ancora. He was in a few films. In the book, they said that he was very similar to Charlie Chaplin and he had that kind of success. But then when those types of movies were not popular anymore because of the invention of sound, his career kind of fluttered it wasn't uh, he wasn't as popular anymore so then he decided that he was going to actually work start working at the family business we are jumping a lot ahead a lot where gucci enters america so november 1953 the first gucci store opens on fifth avenue in 58th street in new york and they had opened up several other stores in the area and were slowly expanding. So, you know, they, they leave their, their mother country, Italy, because they were pretty big. I mean, their bags, the um, one bag that was very popular was, and I and might not have been at this time, but this one always like sticks to me. I remember it. They have, um, it was the iconic bamboo handle bag with the leather and everybody loved that one. So, Throughout the years, there were many family feuds, um, and those became way more popular than the lines that Gucci was producing because of how dramatic a lot of the family members were. Uh, and if you've seen the uh, film, yeah, there definitely was a lot of drama. Uh, and, and some of it was pretty realistic as far as like throwing things at one another, getting into huge fights. Uh, and I believe that because working with family has definitely got to be difficult, uh, especially once you become so popular and you're making so much money, that greed comes into to play. A huge part of it does. So yeah, they, instead of the items being taking center stage, their fights were, they were on the front pages of a lot of tabloids and magazines. Um, and so in 1969, Giorgio who is the son of Aldo, had sparked the first family feud by launching a Gucci boutique on his own, which was finally reabsorbed by the family group in 1972. There was a lot of issues with like shareholders and and each of them got a specific percent, but if you didn't have like uh, a majority percentage, like you didn't get to make any um, contributions and you weren't really 
your vote didn't really count as much. And so in the 1980s, the Gucci saga had eroded the family-held top management of the company and fed the press headlines. Paolo Gucci, son of Aldo, tried to launch the brand Gucci Plus on his own, which that one was a big uh, topic in the movie as well. And yeah, there were so many more issues, and I'll talk about some of them in this next segment coming up. I'm going to talk about the film. 2021... The trailer sparked my interest. I was like, hmm, I want to see what this is all about. I like Lady Gaga. I thought she was good in A Star is Born, although didn't care for that movie that much. So in this one, we open with uh, a monologue, a voiceover from Lady Gaga, again playing Patrizia, about Gucci being seductive or whatever. Uh, and, and it's overlaid a footage of Maurizio on his like final day before he gets shot, but we don't really see the shot. Then we go to 1978, and this is the introduction of Patrizia working as an office manager within her father's small trucking firm. We skip to later that night, possibly at a party, and Patrizia meets Maurizio, who was a law student at the time, and he had a similar issue, he, he, he got a similar mindset as Rodolfo did before he eventually decided to go into the company. He wanted to be a lawyer, he didn't want any part of the business. And then Patrizia, they talk at the the club, and Patrizia decides to aggressively pursue the awkward Maurizio charming him into love. So during this time, we see the scenes um, where a man is following Maurizio, and that's never explained. So like, when you see things like that, where you have like these close-up shots of um, somebody following you, you would think that that is kind of like a foreshadowing of somebody bad is following you. Or it turns out to be somebody that they know, right? But that entire thing is just dropped within like the first 30 minutes of the film like we don't see that happen again it doesn't it's not really ever brought up uh, and I've watched this film twice didn't see anything about it okay and so like parts things like that in this movie is very annoying to me because like you just need to bring it up like why 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 bring it up if you're not gonna fucking give us the uh, explanation for it and this did actually happen in the book Rodolfo had his son followed around to make sure that you know he was I guess doing what he was supposed to do or that he was okay so there's that explanation again that's why you read the book <laughs> continuing on Rodolfo warns Maurizio that Patrizia is only after wealth and tells Maurizio that he will disinherit him if he marries her and so Maurizio decides to choose Patrizia over his connection to Gucci he leaves the family business moves in with uh, Patrizia and his parent. her parents works at the dad's trucking firm and then they eventually get married so one of the main critiques that I hear far with this film one of the biggest things I hear is um, Gaga's Italian accent and of course there everybody's accent in the film is a bit wonky I will say that I, I, I plenty of people had noted that both Jeremy Irons and Al Pacino's accents fluctuated to the point where there wasn't even an Italian accent from um Al Pacino or, or probably both honestly I personally didn't don't really hear anything bad about Gaga's impersonation um there was there is this video going around comparing and contrasting Patrizia and Gaga's um accents I guess Patrizia doesn't have that stereotypical Italian accent it's better to uh, cry in Rolls Royce than to be happy in on a bicycle that's that's for sure Father, son, and house of Gucci. 
But also you have to take into consideration, just like with any country, uh, depending on what area of the country you live in, the uh, accents, the dialect is going to change and fluctuate. So sorry if you don't have a fucking Mario accent, like... Not everybody is a Nintendo character, but okay. So after they get married, Patrizia is pregnant and she sees her child as an avenue for familial uh, reconciliation. Um, she calls up Aldo. She gets Maurizio and Aldo together and they end up going to New York. With the help of Patrizia, Aldo and Maurizio become closer and Maurizio decides, okay, I will work with Gucci. I will work in the company. And then that's when we also get to meet Paolo Gucci, which is Aldo's son. Paolo is played by Jared Leto. I did not like that character at all. Uh, I know that one was a I. So if I think I've said this in another video when I'm when I was talking about another film, but one of the things that I really like to do after I watch a film that I was interested in regardless of whether I was interested in it in a good way or a bad way, I like to go to the official Reddit discussion because it's just the easiest way for me to see everybody's varying opinions. And a lot of people, it was a, it's a very, his character, his portrayal of Paolo was a very polarizing one for many people in that thread specifically because either people really loved him or they hated him. I personally, when I first watched it the first time, I did find it funny, but only like a few times because there's only so many antics and comedy like relief you can use Paolo for in this entire movie before it gets a bit too much. They made him a bit more wild, I guess, compared to Paolo's actual life. He wasn't like that. So after being introduced to Paolo, I guess we skip some time. Maurizio and terminally ill father Rodolfo reconcile and then Rodolfo dies. And that was really weird. We had a hard cut to his funeral just out of nowhere. And that's one of the things that I don't like about this film too is that throughout this movie, there is some very unstable direction. The pacing changes a lot um, and there's a lot of jumps in different times and it's very confusing to tell what period of time it is. Uh, and sometimes you can tell, but like not everybody that is going into watching House of Gucci knows everything about the uh, Gucci luxury items, their lines, the the men's wear, women's wear fashion shows of every year. I don't for sure. So <laughs> when I watched the movie, cause I watched the movie first before reading the book, I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Another thing I wanna uh, point out about the way that this film was in terms of events is that we jump back and forth between like getting really into the nitty-gritty of like the business and like the timeline of that versus the drama of the family and especially between Maurizio and Patrizia and it's just kind of jumbled to me it's just a, it's like Ridley Scott just kind of shit put shit together like it was all done just like that like they like they just kind of kept filming and were planning as they were going along so after Rodolfo's death we discovered that Maurizio was put back into his will but he does not sign a very specific document that would transfer his um, Gucci shares to Maurizio which would give him a 50% uh, interest pretty good share um, and so Patrizia fakes Rodolfo's signature we get that so now he's 
part of the company. He's uh he's got his fifty percent shares. That's cool, right? So at this point, Patrizia is uh, starting to devise a plot to obtain controlling the interest in Gucci by acquiring some of Aldo and Paolo shares because both of them hold the other fifty percent interest. And so she's like. Getting in there, manipulating and, and doing all this shit. And she class- clashes with Aldo over the firm's clandestine sale of cheap fake Gucci products on the black market. She begins to consult Giuseppina, who is a psychic, for guidance. Um, she manipulates Maurizio, who really doesn't give a shit about Gucci that much. Because at this point, he's still not really that invested in it. So he ends up taking a more active role because of Patrizia. Paolo ends up getting proof that Aldo has been evading his taxes and then tells Patrizia about that, gets Aldo arrested. And he's in jail for about a year, I think. Paolo gave this information to Patrizia in order to get permission to start his own line of clothes. Now, one thing that they talk about here is that he's a very bad designer and wants to design all these clothes, da-da-da. Paolo ends up having a fashion show. Uh, I don't know when this takes place. Again, the timeline here is a bit wonky. And uh, the police show up, stop it, and he is given a copyright notice. Turns out, obviously, they weren't going to let him debut his own line. Paolo gets very upset. Maurizio and Patrizia try to ask Paolo to uh, sell them his shares. He cuts ties between them, says no, he's not going to do that. And that's the end of that for now. So later on, the Italian police end up going to Maurizio's estate in Italy. I'm not sure where, which, which house this one is, because they were told that there was a possibility that Maurizio had forged Rodolfo's signature on those um, papers. This scene in particular is one that I feel is out of place. Like, he just kind of leaves for no reason, so it seems, like, in the film. And watching it, I was left confused, because Maurizio fil- flees to Switzerland. Like, again, a lot of these weird, hard, jumps so fucking stupid yeah so he gets to switzerland meets his old friend paula jutzia and their daughter end up um meeting up with him there later on at this point you can tell that maurizio is falling out of love with her don't like him don't like her as much anymore and i do want to say that uh maurizio and paulo paula get more close throughout this this uh portion of the movie and it's really fucking boring I don't give a shit about Paola and Maurizio's relationship. I didn't come here for that. It didn't make any difference besides the one intimidating line that Gaga said that is in all the trailers. I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. So after an argument between Maurizio and Patrizia, Maurizio decides that he is tired of his wife's influence on himself and the company. <laughs> and he orders his wife and daughter to return to Italy. And that's, he begins his affair with Paola. So we get to see even more of that. Boo, who cares, right? At this point, also get a little bit more of Pina. We don't really see her too much in the movie. And it kind of makes no sense because it's like every scene with Pina in it is like super discombobulated uh, with the rest of the story. It's like maybe they had filmed more scenes with Salma Hayek and they just didn't really cut it. But I would have much rather seen the two of them, Gaga and uh, Hayek's characters together more often than a lot of the other unnecessary things that were out in this movie because that would have made more sense to kind of show their growing relationships. I don't know, I just feel like maybe it would have been more interesting. Now Maurizio has got pretty big control of the company. Um, he's making a lot of 
weird business plans that are a bit out there, costing a lot of money, because he never really learned how to spend his money, right? And so he decides to seek assistance from an equity company called Investicorp, and then he hatches a scheme to acquire shares of the company from a now impoverished Paolo. So he ends up meeting with Paolo, and Aldo at this point also is released from prison. So then uh, Investicorp offers to buy Aldo out, and he refuses until Maurizio ends up showing himself. And this scene in particular was very good. This is the only scene in this film that I actually liked because I felt that Pacino did a really good job. Because at this point, you know, Aldo had been through so much. He was very dejected. He was upset that um, Maurizio would try and sell him out like this. He ends up selling his shares, cutting contact with Maurizio. At this point, Patrizia is attempting to reconcile with Maurizio. Doesn't work out. And he asks Patrizia for a divorce. This pushes her over the edge. She decides, I'm going to kill Maurizio. I want him dead and gone. Then we switch to more business stuff. (laughs) Even rereading the synopsis, it's like... We are really just jumping in and out, aren't we? You don't even get, like, enough time to let all the shit, like, simmer. It's just, like, bam, 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 bam. Even though it's, like, a fucking almost three-hour-long movie. Maurizio ends up getting Tom Ford, who is a very well-known designer, to work with them. And I guess, I'm guessing at this point, this is the 90s. This is, like, mid-90s. Ford's products, very successful. But Maurizio has mismanaged this company so bad that everyone has decided that he needs to go. Investor Corp sits him down and says, yo, I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing, boy, but uh, you need to sell um, sell us your shares. You are not doing a good job. So Maurizio relinquishes his shares, giving them to Ford and Domenico De Sol. And I forgot to mention, <laughs> sorry, Domenico De Sol was Rodolfo's lawyer. Very big part of the company, been there for a very long time. And he... I don't know if he still is. I don't think he is at this point. Um, But for a long time afterwards, him and Tom Ford were were, uh, CEOs of the company. Like, they owned it. So they ended up taking over. Maurizio is gone. He's out. So at this point, effectively, nobody from the Gucci family is a part of the company anymore. Meanwhile, Patrizia, so angry, she asked Pina to help her kill him. So Pina finds some hitmen for Patrizia, and then a few days later, the hitman shoot Maurizio to death in broad daylight outside his residence. And that's it, that's the movie. That scene in particular, underwhelming. Overall, I feel like this movie was really drawn out. A lot of things could have been taken out, could have been your standard runtime, hour 45, even two hours. And the trailer was edited vastly different from what we actually got in the movie. What we actually got, like, it seemed like it was more going to be about, like, Patrizia and that all whole murder thing. But it really wasn't. It was more so about the company itself. And uh, it made, that made, the, the trailer made me excited to see it. Then I was very uh, underwhelmed. My main criticism, really, is that it's just very poor storytelling. I mean, we focus on the relationship one moment, then on the business, right? Then on the tax troubles. But then that's kind of sidelined. That's not, there's no like resolution to any of it, really. It's just kind of everything is brought up at different times. Like it's more like it would, it feels like it would be a, a great structure timeline of events going 
beat by beat for like a documentary. Meanwhile, this is supposed to be an entertaining film, uh, a biopic, uh, and biopics are supposed to have some level of entertainment in them to keep you engaged, but... And, and it seems like there's parts, little side plots that are introduced to be important, but later discarded. Also, a big part of it is like, it seems like the movie wants to tell me how to feel about something rather than like just explaining it. So this next piece I want to talk about is a few movie and book comparisons. Obviously, I am not going to add in every single thing because a lot of it is just like various little discrepancies that don't really matter. And I do want to say, yes, I understand when it comes to making biopics um, and come in and making things based off of real life tragedies for entertainment purposes, there's going to be some artistic liberties. I get it. Okay. But that doesn't excuse it when the movie's so fucking boring. So we're going to talk about some movie uh, in book comparisons. Forgery. Earlier on in the film, it's foreshadowed that Patrizia is good at copying other people's signatures because she copied her dad's signature on a check for the business. And she ends up copying Rodolfo's signature in order to get those shares for Maurizio. In reality, and according to, I believe in the book, um, it was actually one of the assistants, allegedly, who had forged it. That one hasn't, that that was dismissed in court. So there really is no, except by word of mouth, who knows who actually forged the signature. But it heavily is leaned on that one of the assistants did it. Because they also say that she did do it. It just was thrown out in court. So, so Maurizio betrayed to be very shy and nervous. He wasn't really like that. Also, Paolo, very eccentric made out to be a caricature, was not like that. He was actually uh, very invested and worried about the company, the business side of Gucci. And he tried many times to find out what was going on when it came to finances because Gucci had tons of periods where, or at least one very long period where they were not doing well financially. Like they were in the red. Another one is uh, Maurizio's daughters. They only show one daughter, Allegra, but they have two daughters alessandra and allegra um so i don't know what the purpose of only having one the one child was maybe they didn't want to get another kid actor i don't know i guess because really in in reality it wasn't that much important to the story but whatever another one that i think was really interesting was at one point in the film patrizia coerces paulo into telling her about aldo's money laundering that never happened he actually made the decision to bring the documents himself to the irs because of the issues he was already having with the family not letting him have any creative decision to give some some points examples of this the family denied paulo's request in 1981 to use his own name to create his own accessories and then aldo had given him a proposition by naming paulo vice chairman of guccio gucci sba but later finds out that the title is meaningless and is unable to pitch his designs without approval from higher ups and so he was like fuck this i'm going to uh, out you for uh, embezzlement and money laundering so peace and then a big thing patrizia's involvement with gucci when you read the book and you read this book she is not mentioned that much she was not a part of it now the one thing interesting thing i found from this and uh, and it's it's interesting but not like a good thing right so in one part of this book earlier on i think i want to say earlier on 
there is a discussion about who can be a part of Gucci or not. And traditionally, the women of the family were not allowed to have any say or do in this business. There was actually, there was a daughter, Patricia, and I believe she was Aldo's daughter. She is not a part of this film either. Like there's no mention of her. She doesn't exist. So there was a part where she was very upset about uh, not having any, not being able to contribute anything to the business. She had to stay out of it. They make Patrizia seem like she was a big manipulator of Maurizio. In reality, Maurizio did a lot of this on, to himself. The family themselves were already very corrupt with one another. He didn't need Patrizia's influence to change that. He already had that. The last one I want to bring up is the 1997 menswear collection with Tom Ford. This is a nitpick. This is the only one that's a nitpick for me. But I just wanted to bring it up because I was kind of confused by it. So at this point, Maurizio had already sold his shares to the company. So theoretically, he wouldn't have been there. So why is he showing up? So the last thing that I'm going to bring up before I, I wrap this whole shindig <laughs> this whole video up, is the Gucci family's criticisms. Now, there's a few of them, and uh, take it with a grain of salt, because, of course, the family is going to have a different perspective compared to the director, compared to the public's opinion of them. But, of course, they are allowed, because this is their story, they are allowed to criticize the media, the, the, the film. In this article, there was a statement uh, first published by the Italian news agency ANSA. Family statement goes on, bla goes on to blast how the Milanese socialite Patrizia Reggiani, who was convicted in 1998 facilitating the murder of Murcio Gucci, is portrayed not just in the film, but also in statements from cast members as a victim trying to survive in a male, in a male chauvinist corporate culture. Probably they meant to say male-dominated in male chauvinist culture, uh, corporate culture. Like, they were trying to show that. The math isn't mathing for me because I don't see how, I don't see how that could be even, like, a, a thought. How you could even come to that conclusion that Patrizia was like, I'm just trying to get ahead because men are... So the production of the film um, did not bother to consult the heirs of the company before describing Aldo and the rest of the members of the Gucci family as thugs, ignorant, and insensitive to the world around them. This is extremely painful from a human point of view and an insult to the legacy on which the brand is built today. I particularly agree with the Paolo one because um, there are like interviews with him where he does not sound stupid. He's very well read and speaks very well. He doesn't even really have an accent. Paolo was asked if Maurizio was fit to run Gucci. Absolutely not. He can't. He can't because he's, he dreams every five minutes. He doesn't think, he dreams. It's interesting how they decided to make paint Paolo to be the one to be the caricature uh, out of all of them. And there really was no need for comedic relief in a movie like this. That's supposed to be like a drama murder mystery. Well, it's not even a mystery. It's like they all knew who fucking did it. So that's just a small snippet of the statement given by the Gucci family. I believe the full copy can be found on Variety. And now I'm going to give an overall rating. This is a, a two out of five. Mm, I recommend reading the book. If you're going into this movie thinking that you're going to get like an actual accurate uh, timeline of events, 
that's not going to happen. Uh, if you're going into this movie thinking it's going to be, of course, it's going to be um, changed up for entertainment. Do you think it's going to be entertaining? It is not. <laughs> it is not going to be entertaining at all. It's boring. Um, it's lifeless. Watch something else. So that about does it for the first episode of the year. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure you follow us on our socials at Spaghetti Fiction Pod, at Spaghetti Fig Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. It's going to be linked below. Make sure you also follow me on my socials. Well, you don't have to, but you should. Anyway, I will see you guys. I, I will talk to you guys in the next episode.